You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, folks. My name is Aaron, and it is Sunday night, which means this must be another episode of STM Live, which is not the official name for the show. Um, it's just what I'm calling it because, you know, it's faster. Uh, a big thank you to everybody who's here. Um, instead of watching football, I understand football is happening right now. That's a pretty big deal for a lot of people. So um, very appreciative to all of you for being here. We have a very special guest coming on with us tonight who uh, may be having some internet connection issues. The reason for that will become clear. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to shout out our new squad members from the jump because I'm so stoked on you guys. Uh, the Natural Wall, 23K, Donald, sorry, I'm not as close to my screen as I should be, Joe R-A-C-Z, and Joseph Guyen-Gun. Great to see you guys here tonight. Thank you so much for joining the squad. I will say this every week, but you make what we do possible. So we're very grateful to all of you. Uh, shout out to Scott in the audience tonight. Always good to see you, brother. Brown Dwarf, I see you as well. Good to see you. Matt's Tube of You, you're back as well tonight. Look at all you guys. Julie Bug. Sorry, I could I could do audience shout outs all night. Oh, oh, here's a guy. Tate Hieronymus. Tate Hieronymus, the man himself. And as Matt's tube of you says, Tate, the man, the myth, the legend. Okay, sorry. We'll get into audience questions and stuff tonight very shortly. Um, as always, please drop your comments, your questions in the chat. We'll do our best to get to everybody. We do have a couple announcements I want to throw out there tonight. Uh, some super cool stuff, as always, going on in the Small Town Monsters universe. The biggest thing is Monster Fest 2 happening on June 29th in downtown Canton, Ohio at the Doubletree by Hilton. Monster Fest one, you guys, if you missed it, uh, that's a bummer. We would have loved to see you there, but you can, you can, you can come to Monster Fest too. We, we do want to let everybody know very big deal this week that VIP level two tickets are almost sold out. Um, VIP level two gets you access to a ton of cool stuff. that's not going to be available to anyone else. You definitely want to make sure that you get in on that access to VIP level two gets you. And I actually do have a list here because I didn't want to forget any of this stuff. One hour early admission to the vendor hall. Uh, you get an exclusive Monster Fest tote bag, souvenir cup, signed event poster, admission to the Canton Palace Theater Friday for a special movie screening, and an exclusive meet and greet after the film that night. going to be fantastic. Not sure what we're screening yet. I think someone does, but I don't. So... Sorry, I can't I can't answer that question for you. We also have some great new merch available over at the Small Town Monsters merch shop. We've got our Screaming Pumpkins design back on a can glass, on a hat. It's on a shirt. Don't miss out on that. There is a discount code on those right now. Pumpkins20 gets you 20% off. Super exciting stuff. And if you missed the announcement earlier this week, we do have a new episode of The Lore You Know featuring Ward Heine the director of Werewolves on Earth, which we just watched a trailer for at the start of the stream. If you haven't seen this film yet, guys, um, do so. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Prime Video. Um, if you're a squad member, you can see it on YouTube in ad-free 4K. It's it's one of the coolest films on the Dogman topic that I've ever seen. And uh, that includes uh, Dogman Triangle, which I happen to be in. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. 
And let's see. Oh, man, there's a bunch of folks here tonight. The Vernon 52, first time here. Happy to have you, friend. Thanks for coming out. We've got people watching from St. Louis. We've got JT, who is also here for the first time. A lot of great folks in the audience already. Great to see you guys. Brian is watching from Pennsylvania. And just full disclosure, guys, I think our guest is having a little bit of an issue connecting. So bear with us. Appreciate you coming out. In addition to all of the announcements I just mentioned, don't forget the STM Kickstarter is coming. That'll be next year, February the 1st of 2024. There are so many cool projects coming up next year, folks. We've got Cryptid Goatman, which is going to be a Kickstarter exclusive. The only way to get a hold of this film, at least for the first year that it exists, maybe longer than that, um, will be to back next year's Kickstarter. We'll have various rewards available at various levels. And if you have any questions about that, watch this feed. Stay tuned for announcements. One of the projects you'll have the opportunity to back is Dogman Territory, Werewolves of the Land Between the Lakes, and of course, Lost Contact, which is the story of the Howard Mantell UFO incident. But without further ado, folks, I'm sure you're tired of listening to me. Uh, our guests are finally here. Well, they, they have overcome the the internet and i'm super super excited to welcome da, 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 drum roll i was going to drum on my desk here but that's a really bad idea well tonight folks as soon as we get around these internet issues we're talking to uh larry beans baxter and rob roy menzies who are uh of course key to the development of bigfoot beyond the trail which is what we're talking about this week the latest production from director alex petikov and it looks like we've lost them again so sorry folks uh, Larry and Rob Roy are coming to us from a very remote location tonight. So of course there are always the potential for internet issues. And I'm just scrolling through here to see if we've got any additional questions, please feel free to throw those out there. Da -da -da. I did see one here, Michael Tovar, Michael, always good to see you. Thanks for coming out. Aaron, any plans coming back to Texas for Dogman Triangle 2? Um, well, I live here. I'm in San Antonio right now. So um, coming back is easy. Yes. Uh, Dogman Triangle 2 is not something that is officially in development or, you know, that is officially being worked on. It's definitely something I'm thinking about in the back of my head. Um, I have been contacted by additional witnesses since the Dogman Triangle film and the book came out earlier this year. So to me, that definitely indicates that there is more to look into here. There's more to talk about, but that's not a project that's been officially planned. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, but I could talk to Dogman, talk to Dogman. I don't want to talk to Dogman. I could talk to you guys about Dogman all day. So thank you, Michael, for that question. And Matt's Tube of You. Uh, have to admit, warming up to the Dogman content. Thanks for that, Matt. Looks like that was in response to another question. Uh, but yes, we, we do have a lot of exciting Dogman content coming up for you guys. In addition to Werewolves Unearthed, we also have American Werewolves 2 coming later this year. Exact release date on that for a global premiere is still a little bit of a secret. Stuff is in the works in the background. I honestly don't know when it is, but it will be by Thanksgiving. And if you're attending the Cosmic Holler Film Festival on the 21st of this month, you can check out the world premiere of that film. American Werewolves too. It's very cool. Very cool. And Jack Santos. Jack is watching from Sterling, Alaska. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're talking about Alaska tonight. And we will be shortly. 
awesome. Hike with Mike. Hey, folks. Thank you guys for being so patient with me. I do, I believe our guests will be in shortly. So I appreciate you guys hanging out. The number of people watching has actually gone up since I started apologizing for this. So maybe I should do that more often. Quick reminder, do be sure to follow us on all of our social threads where you can interact with us and find out about upcoming projects. And oh, we might have made it. There I they think are. We're here. Yeah. Hey guys. It's we might only have a short time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's get into as much as we can as quickly as possible. I'm sure these yeah. nice folks are tired of listening to me talk. Uh, welcome, Larry, Rob Roy. Great to see you guys. How are you this evening? Uh-oh. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and, and tell you guys. Uh, Larry and Rob Roy are coming to us from the cabin in Area A that you see in the film that we're discussing this week. Uh, so that is why we are having connection issues. <laughs> I do have another guest who's going to jump in here in just a moment. As soon as this link that I am sending goes through. So we are still having a discussion tonight. Hopefully we can get these fine gentlemen back on stage. Cause I'm so excited to talk to them. We'll go ahead and negotiate with Streamyard here. Well, you know what? It's not an STM live show folks, if I'm not scrambling around trying to deal with technical issues. And usually I do this before you all show up. So I really do want to thank you all for joining me and bearing with me. <laughs> J.E. Roberts says, hey, hot damn, uh, connection has been made. Well, maybe I thought that looked like the cabin. You were correct. Oh, we do have a surprise guest tonight, folks, uh, who's going to come hang out with us as well, because y'all don't want to hear me talk for the next hour. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Mr. Alex Petikoff, how's it going, brother? Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I was seeing the technical problems. I'm like, if you need me to jump in, I will uh, I will do so. Yeah, that's what I've been doing in the background here, people. Uh, while I've been trying to keep things moving, I've been texting Alex. So thank you for jumping on, man. Always good to talk with you. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I just got off of a flight, overnight flight, so I've been pretty tired most of the day. But uh, yeah, the reason they're having internet issues is... Um, the they're obviously at area a as you mentioned but mm -hmm. the internet out there is uh it's a, what is it oh my gosh see this is how i'm like my mind is barely functioning it's the elon musk uh oh uh, starlink. starlink starlink which was, was the name of a video yard. game first but yeah <laughs> i was gonna say Streamyard, but this is just how much how little you can expect from me tonight i can't remember that but yeah starlink so what happens is i remember when we were out there this summer it would, it would rotate the way the satellites move so mm -hmm. you'll get like a little window where it works and then it stops working. So yeah, it's uh yeah, but it's cool that they're there. It's obviously prominent location in the Alaskan coastal Bigfoot and in the dark coast series. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. We did see them pop in. So maybe once the rotation comes back around, we, we can bring them back in hopefully because uh, obviously everyone would love to hear from them. But again, man, yeah. thanks so much. So uh, how many times have, we're talking about the cabin? How many times have you been out there at this point? So I've been out twice, um, which would be obviously the first week we went out was last year. Was my there you July. are. There they are. There they are. Here we are. Wow. Every time we're, it's going to be a new location. Yeah, we're as close <laughs> to the router as we can get without touching it. <laughs> it's working now. Ask your questions. Well, we're just about to talk about where you guys are. We're talking about the cabin right now. So. Oh, um, Alex was letting us know how many times he's been there and kind of getting into that. I'd love to just know more about this place. 
Looks like they are frozen. This is, yeah, we'll just roll with it. So yeah, we're going to keep bringing them back in as often as sure. we can. Maybe, we'll just, you know. we'll get the questions ready, right. As they pop in, but uh, yeah, I've been out twice. So last year was the first time we went out with, uh, for like a week we were out there and that was what was, fe what was featured in the Alaskan coastal Sasquatch parts one and two. So late last year that would have come out. And then over the summer I was there for two weeks with beans. Beans was out there with me for the entire two weeks. So uh, we're just talking about the two weeks we were out there, Beans. It was pretty interesting. So uh, that's what's kind of featured in the Dark Coast series. So the ongoing series, uh, there will be an episode, I think, at some point this month. I don't know when. I just know it's coming. So <laughs> that's as much info as I can give. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool location. I thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, Beans was, was out there this time. Uh, and with Rob Roy, who wasn't in the Dark Coast series, unfortunately, because he couldn't make it out. Um, but he is in the latest Beyond the Trail episode that came out today, mm -hmm. as well as all of the Alaska stuff from last year. He was in that stuff too, and he's a great guy as well. So yeah, we've seen of, we've seen a lot of his work lately in Mysteries and Monsters as well. You know, yeah, he does a lot, lot of, of the stuff. narration, like the intro narration, and he also I think he was well, he was featured in the last one too, mm -hmm. um, talking about Bobby Short. So he definitely um, has a history with the Bigfoot topic, and Beans is is great. He's you know one of the kind of primary Alaska researchers, if you really want to put it that way, because there aren't a lot. I mean, there's, for such a large state, right, there's maybe only a handful of people that are seriously investigating, uh, and he's one of those. So there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's with such a large place, I think that was demonstrated a little bit in the Beyond the Trail episode tonight with the amount of um, space that's out there. You know, he'll get a report that's of a road crossing, but it's t a 10-hour drive from his house. So he's like, I'm, you know, I can't just go out and investigate that on a whim, right? That takes some serious planning. You got to weigh the options. Is it worth going out there for, uh, you know, just a short amount of time for a sighting that may have been a road crossing? So Alaska is not an easy place to deal with just because the population is just a little bit over the state of Vermont, which is like 500,000. Alaska's around 700,000. So it's less I was going to say that that was one of my questions for Larry is, you know, do you think people underestimate? how much space we're looking at here because I, I've been pretty active on the small town monster social media this week. And I, I see comments from some folks and, you know, of course the usual, the usual skeptical questions, why haven't we found uh, a body? Why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? So, you know, I think the amount of space plays into that. I'm wondering if that's something you think people underestimate. I personally think so. Absolutely. Just the, the what we were able to go to, a lot of the locations we visited were just on the road system, which in Alaska is fairly limited. I mean, yes, it connects places that are like Fairbanks, Anchorage, down to the Kenai Peninsula. So you can travel the roads, but if you look at that in a grander scheme of things, how small of a area that is compared to the rest of Alaska, you've got all these villages and even places like Nome and other towns that you cannot physically get to with a vehicle. It either has to be by a boat or plane, so Nome is completely isolated. A lot of these native villages up there, where there's some of these stories, are way out in the bush. I mean, we're talking you get to a place where you take a boat and then a plane and then a boat just to get to one of these villages. I mean, we're talking so far out there. That's something, unfortunately, I didn't get to do, but I'd love to do that in the future, go to one of these really remote places. When we tried to do the little plane adventure there, the weather was just so uncooperative. We weren't able to get out very far, so but a bush planes in Alaska are a dime a dozen. They're like a really big 
transport water planes and bush planes that sort of thing everyone kind of has it seems like everyone has one or knows someone that has one and uh, it's just kind of like in other places people own boats or ATVs and take them out but in this case there's a lot of practical purposes too interesting interesting we do have a we do have kind of a comment on that from Matt's tube of you um, another great episode Alex uh, as beautiful and amazing as Alaska looks also seems to be quite dense and unforgiving Yes. Uh, I just want to make sure, can everybody hear me? Actually, hear, my audio should be better now. Is that better? I can I can hear you, but I do see a couple comments that we may be having some audio issues. So um, okay. apologies. Was, you guys, sh you should be able to hear me now better, right? Can you hear me okay, Aaron? Yeah, you sound fine okay. on my end. Yeah. Great. Okay, yeah. yeah, Beans texted me, said, I'm sorry. I thought it was just a hiccup, but it's only letting us connect in 10 second spurts. So oh, man. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll just kind of see what's going on, but I'm cool with hanging out. Um, uh, so, yeah, the question from Matt's tube of you or kind of a statement as beautiful as Oscar looks. Yeah, it's very, very unforgiving. I mean, those mosquitoes, those were pretty rough. Uh, I don't think we were exactly prepared for that in that moment. But, yeah, it's just it's one of those places that I think Chuk, who I interviewed, in there as well talked about it's one of those places that's just unforgiving if you're not prepared don't have the right gear it will absolutely swallow you up and won't leave a lot and we talked about some of the missing people cases in the episode as well mm -hmm. no norm mm -hmm. who was also featured in either the on the trail of bigfoot series with the alaska stuff we did such as land of the missing he talked a lot about his experience and he's a former national park employee at denali national park so he he did a lot of backcountry hiking, you know, that sort of stuff, maintenance. And he talked about some missing people cases out there. And a lot of it is not anything nefarious, Bigfoot related or anything. People just aren't prepared. And Alaska is the last place you want to be unprepared. So mm -hmm. absolutely unforgiving. So, yeah, you're right, Matt. That is uh, it's it's stunning, but it's one of those things where it's beautiful, but, you know, it can kill you very easily too, any time of year, especially in the winter. For sure. Yeah. I think we forget. And I've made statements like this on this show before, but I think we just forget how nature is <laughs> towards humans. <laughs> it's not kind. <laughs> uh, we do have a question from Tim H. Here's a good one. All things considered, are the Sasquatch thriving or disappearing? That's a good question. All right. I'm getting a couple more comments about my uh, mic. So what I'm going to do is it, I, I was rushing to get on. So I just let me plug my external microphone on this should yeah those issues yeah so just that's how we me for that's how we second. do things at small town monsters live folks we improvise we we make it work we all hang out and have a great sunday night so <laughs> okay. i was i was saying before you got right, here usually go. i get to do these technical scrambles by myself before everybody arrives so it's nice yep. to do this in, in a group for once yeah okay so uh, people in the comments just let me know are we good because now i have the yeti mic should be a lot better. Um, this episode's been riddled with a lot of tech issues, so we'll, we'll roll with it. But uh, yeah, so all things considered, the Sasquatch thriving or disappearing? That's a really good question. Honestly, I have no idea. It's kind of like a, it's almost like a philo philosophical kind of question you get into because on one hand, it seems like there's a lot of reports that are coming in nowadays, right? You have, we're inundated with Sasquatch media. I mean, there's a lot of films and books and TV shows and everything. So I think there's more of a cultural awareness going on with the topic. So maybe people are more willing to talk about their stories. Whereas I think also people are more susceptible to 
either making up stories or trying to get 15 minutes of fame. You know, so not everyone's telling the truth, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. Um, but then again, I think these things are probably not super common. I would say they're probably pretty rare. I mean, I have no idea how to gauge. This is completely just hypothetical, pulling the numbers out of nowhere kind of thing. But I mean, imagine maybe there's like 10,000 Sasquatches across North America, right? That sounds mm-hmm. like a lot, but when you but think it's about, really not. <laughs> it's not, exactly. When you think about yeah. in the state of Maine, there's like 60,000 to 70,000 moose alone. I think Alaska has got like 120,000 moose. Uh, there's caribou herds, herds in Alaska that are 700,000 plus, which is more than there are human beings in Alaska. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I just looked, this isn't something I know offhand. I had to search for it, but American black bears in the United States, um, there are supposed to be 250 to 300,000. And how often do you see a black bear? So, right, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how to guess those numbers, obviously, but that gets into the debate of what are they? Obviously some people have more supernatural leanings because then that changes the rules if that's the case. Right. But if it's biological, then it would have to be fitting within those parameters. So, I've heard certainly theories, people saying, well, maybe they're going extinct. Maybe they don't exist anymore. It's all in our heads. Uh, well, the current book I'm reading, The uh, Phenomenal Sasquatch by Matt Pruitt, which is probably one of the best books I've ever really read on the topic. I actually happen to have it right here. And uh, the book oh, nice. I'm using is a monster fest. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, postcard. So that That's the poster we showed during the announcements. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I will say, no, it's a really, really great book. Matt obviously is a fantastic thinker, one of the, my kind of favorite, I don't want to say philosophers, but thinkers in the topic of Sasquatch. And he addresses a lot of this sort of stuff in the book, which I find really interesting. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a interesting question. I have no idea how to approach it. Not an expert, obviously that I don't think there really are in this topic. I mean, about Bigfoot, like, yes, you can be an expert on sightings in Southern California, like maybe Eli, I don't know, or people who've spent a lifetime looking for sightings in a specific area they're obviously going to know more but at the end do we really know truly what sasquatch is not really so that's where the kind of like dr jeff meldrum is a good example he would be someone i'd consider the closest thing to like a footprint expert when it comes to sasquatch Mm -hmm. or or cliff barrickman those two guys have the largest collection of alleged sasquatch footprints in the world so there's there's different levels with that within that statement, but really, what do we know? That's just a lot of a lot of stories. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. But it's, it's a good question. Yeah, no, great question. We do have a have a comment, uh, kind of as a follow up to that from Dave Jones. Just hiked the Appalachian Trail in PA. Been doing so for ten years. Never seen one bear or deer. Wow. So wow. in my mind, I, I don't I don't mean to say that this is what Dave is implying, but in my mind, if we apply that to an animal that's even more intelligent, even fewer in number, even more elusive. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right? Again, there's tons of these, tons of wildlife all over North America. And how often do they, are they seen? Yes, they're seen. But if something is, is elusive, I mean, we do have a lot of sightings. Let's say we've got 10,000 sightings that we know of Sasquatch. And I, that's not a real number. I'm just for the sake of a hypothetical, and I'm not going to do math because I'm not good at math, but me neither. Just, just bear with me. So that's why I do this. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You got 10,000 sightings, and let's say uh, you know 50% of them are misidentifications. So you're left with 5,000 sightings, and a number of those maybe are 
uh, you're not, they're not great. They're like, oh, it was pretty far away. I, I didn't get a clear look at it. And then you've got very small, like maybe 20% of sightings that are actually like crystal clear. This thing was in my camp. It threw a rock at me. You know, there are sightings like that where people seem to be pretty upstanding citizens. Uh, they, they have been deemed credible by an investigator or by whatever parameters were looked at. That's still a relatively small amount of sightings. If you spread that across North America, let's say 2,000 sightings across North America over the span of like 60 years since people have been really writing these sightings down. I mean, yes, there is a prehistory of reports and maybe some of the native stories too, but those, that's more of oral tradition and that gets rolled more into folkloric worldview. So that's not a lot considering how many moose or bear sightings there are in North America. There's obviously going to be a lot more because there seems to be more of those animals on average. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's again, going back to the previous question, I think it's, it's pretty similar. Um, that's an awesome, uh, statement there from Scott. Yeah. Oh, Scott always comes in with the good questions, with the great, uh, the great information when I don't know something Scott knows, but a great two-part interview with Matt Pruitt. We're just talking about his book, of course, discussing the phenomenal Sasquatch on Sasquatch tracks podcast, uh, as well as on the September 18th episode of Bigfoot society. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check those out. Everybody. Both great They're all good folks well. over there. Yeah. Friends of the friends of the community for sure. Uh, we've got a great question from Julie Bug. Always good to see you, Julie. What is your personal opinion on Bigfoot, spiritual or physical? <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun one. I don't know. I think it depends which day you ask me. What, what, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what, what am I feeling this type of day? It's I was gonna say, I think I've asked you this question two or three different times. I know, and, it's, and, and yeah. you're probably gonna get a different answer each time. But no, I mean, generally, I. I, I typically think what makes the most sense to me is something physical, right? Um, and I, I don't know how to, well, I'll preface by saying just because I think it's physical doesn't mean there aren't other possibilities. And I, you know, I'm open to being wrong, absolutely. I'm not stuck in one position. I do lean more towards kind of a flesh and blood thing, but even if it is spiritual or whatever, you still have alleged footprints. Uh, noises, uh, wood knocks, handprints, rocks being thrown, you know, this is kind of stuff I've experienced kind of fits that behavior. So that is some sort of physical interaction, right? I, so, you know, like they, they say stories of poltergeist moving objects, right? That's, there's some kind of physical interaction going on there. So I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. That being said, I do think it makes more sense that it's some kind of a hominid hominin kind of creature uh, mm -hmm. just because the sightings if you especially if you look at the credible sightings you line them up on a map say the bigfoot mapping project which done by scott great great resource and he'll do these maps where he lines up animal wildlife corridors and green belts that other animals are known to use and the sasquatch sightings seem to follow those they seem to follow rivers they don't appear in like downtown brooklyn in a small wooded park because if something is metaphysical i imagine it would be able to appear wherever it wants to right so uh you'd expect sightings to be kind of all over the map but it's interesting that the sightings drop off in places like the midwest where there isn't a lot of great ha potential habitat you know there are some areas but in the middle of kansas in thousands of miles of cornfield there's really not a lot of of sasquatch sightings and then as soon as you get to the rocky mountains those sightings pick up and as you go east, you get to the Smoky Mountains and the Appalachians and the sightings pick up, which is kind of interesting, right? It, 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 when you're looking at that data and sort of lining it up. So that's the way I kind of see it. But 
again, it kind of depends which day you ask me, because some days I'm like, oh, this, this just doesn't make sense. There's not enough space. And then, you know, you drive to Alaska and back and you're like, there's way too much space out there. Like it's scary, <laughs> scary what could be out there. Yeah, right? So yeah. things change, change depending on what's going on. But uh, ask me after, uh, you know, going to Kentucky again in, uh, in the fall, like will my perspective be different then? I don't know. So we'll see. But uh, I, I appreciate the question. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm with you on that. I tend to, you know, very often have my foot over the line in the undiscovered animal category. But then there are days where I'm just like, but what about this? And what about that? And, you know, why this and why not that? And, you know, I'll spend two days convinced that Bigfoot is an interdimensional, you know, something or other. And then I go back to the other side. So <laughs> that's that's, you know, that's I think that's a journey that a lot of us go on. Uh, Planet X has a question. Thank you for supporting the show, Planet X, for supporting the channel. We appreciate you. Uh, I don't, this may be something you can comment on, Alex. What would be the best place to find Sasquatch in MN? I believe that's Minnesota. Minnesota? I have no idea. Well, I kind of have an idea. Full disclosure, I've only been to Minnesota once, and that was driving to Alaska over the summer. I've never been there much. The Midwest is one of those places that's a little uh, barren on my squatching map. I do want to get over there. From what I understand, people I've talked to, like Doug Highcheck and others who are in the Midwest, who are in Minnesota specifically, talk about the northern part of Minnesota where there's a lot of these national forests towards the Canadian border. And I think that's kind of bordering Wisconsin. And then you've got like the upper peninsula of Michigan. I think that's all in that same area, but it's kind of near Ontario, Canada, other parts of Canada. From what I've heard, that's kind of the best stuff that's habitat wise there's like thousands of acres of national forest land out there and there's really nothing mm -hmm. out there so that's what i would imagine i actually have heard the the one town what is it it's like bremer or remmer i think minnesota they have like a bigfoot festival i know cliff and bobo talked about they filmed there and they're doing finding bigfoot back in the day and now they do some kind of festival there so remmer or bremer i don't know uh, one of those but yeah so i'm not the guy to ask about minnesota but that's my best answer. I guess. That's a place. That's a place to start. You know, yeah. Check out the BFRO website. That's another good resource. Yep. Bigfoot mapping project, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, question from our friend Scott. Alex, any plans to hit inland Alaska at a different time again next year? Maybe a time with a few less mosquitoes. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, that, I'd be really curious to. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do like the, the fall there. So their fall kind of is like, basically end of August into September is when falls, I mean, by October, they can have plenty of snow up there, even in Anchorage by that point, by Halloween. So I'd be, you know, I've been now in the spring. So we were there in May and that was right. We saw uh, May of 2022, we saw the place go from basically winter to summer in a couple weeks and just, it bloomed, everything bloomed. Was there obviously in the summer. I think the fall would be a really cool time. I don't know if I'll get a chance to do that, but if I could, that would be my ideal time to try again. In the film, in the latest uh, Beyond the Trail film, we talked about when we went to that location with the mosquitoes, originally the road crossing sighting that Beans had gotten that was part of the reason we went to that location, it was happened in like September. So it was towards that kind of fall season. I imagine it would have been much more uh, desirable conditions during that time period. June was just, I guess, not a good time to go. So mm -hmm. I'd say probably in the fall. That would be interesting to see the, the foliage, then the leaves changing and right before winter, you've got a lot of animal movement. There's a lot of hunting that goes on then. I know a lot of the guys I know up in Alaska, they're doing a lot of their caribou hunts way up north. 
in kind of late summer, early fall, right, right before the Alaskan winter kicks in. So the animals are moving around, things are getting ready. Obviously the bears are probably moving around looking for hibernation for, for food and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I think fall would be a really interesting time. So that's a great question, Scott. Yeah, definitely. I, I've said it once already, but Scott always comes in <laughs> with the good questions. <laughs> uh, we do have a question from Swive, Sweeve. Uh, so that's a cool name. I'm sorry for probably pronouncing it wrong. Are you guys still afraid to venture outside of major cities in Texas? There are hairy men all over Texas, including desert and mountainous areas. Um, you know, I can I can talk about this a little bit. I'm not I, I'm not sure who said they were af afraid to do that. Uh, not going to say I'm super well equipped for it. Alex is definitely more equipped than I am. But yes, there are a lot of uh, upright humanoid figure sightings all over the state of Texas. And that's another area where we're talking about very vast, unexplored areas, private land, you know, state land, city land. So um, there are a lot of sightings in Texas. I don't know how much of that has come up in your research, Alex. Yeah, um, so I'm not scared, I guess. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, and I, I, was, I was told that my volume was a little low, so I did turn it up now. Hopefully it's better again. Um, we seem to be having uh, another comment I did see. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, we did have someone ask for uh, the names to be on the windows here for myself and you. Normally, StreamYard allows me to do that, and tonight it is not. So we Whoa. may be just having some issues That's tonight, weird. folks. I just noticed that. Yeah, usually it has our names there. <laughs> yeah, so we, we do um, appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for hanging guys. out. My name is Aaron. This is Alexander Petikov. Uh Yep. pointing the wrong way here. So <laughs> thanks for letting us know, but please continue. So sorry about that. No, no, you're good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would love to go to East Texas. I've talked about it a little bit. Um, I've done places in Louisiana that are pretty similar. Uh, Scott from the Bigfoot Mapping Project, he actually had his sighting kind of in East Texas, sort of in an area he hunts. So um, that'd be really cool. Obviously the NAWAC, the North American Wood Ape Conservancy, they kind of got their start is I think the Texas Bigfoot Conservancy, and then they gradually kind of moved away from that, but they were based also in East Texas. You've got, I've, I've driven through the area, they've got the Caddo creature or critter up there, uh, south of Falk. You've got a long history in the Sam Houston National Forest, which I know, Aaron, I think we've maybe talked about that a little bit, but I've, mm -hmm. I've been told people have pointed me in that direction. I, yeah, I would definitely like to check it out. Quite um, a bit of activity in Sam Houston. Would, yeah, you know, and I'm the not a city guy, too. really, so. I would not be in the cities in Texas other than maybe just to get some barbecue on my way in and out. But uh, <laughs> we do that, have, like... though. Yeah, we do. We do have we have a, an interesting relationship with Bigfoot in Texas. I don't know if unique is the right way to put it, but um, Tom Slick was from San Antonio. He financed Peter Burns expeditions. You know, he also looked for the Loch Ness Monster, the Orang Pendek Yeti, and a bunch of yeah. other cryptids. The Yeti. Yeah. Helped steal the Pangbosh hand with Jimmy Stewart. Whole CIA um, thing. Yeah. Crazy yeah, stuff. <laughs> Tom Slick, man. I could talk about him all night. Great book um, by Lauren Coleman all about Tom Slick. Yes. I reading that a number of years ago. I have it in my Bigfoot book collection. Great book. When all and, my books went into storage, that was one of the ones I kept. I should yeah. say one thing about Tom Slick, which is really cool. Last year when we were in North Georgia at the Expedition Bigfoot Museum, uh, there was a whole collection on like the Yeti and there was a bunch of stuff that was, and that museum is really well done. And there's all like, there's a recreation of Mount St. Helens or the Ape Canyon incident, all oh, these famous cool. Bigfoot incidents. And there's a whole Yeti exhibit and there's these journals, Tom Slick and binoculars and gear. And we're like, wow, they really went into great detail 
to recreate this Tom Slick stuff. So we asked the owner, Dave Becerra, about <laughs> the collection, and he says, oh, those are original. I said, well, really? He said, yeah, one of his grandchildren or somebody in his family was uh, apparently throwing all that stuff out, and they called him and said, hey, we've got all this stuff from, you know, Tom. Would you want it? And he was like, oh, my God, of course. You know, this stuff is going to be thrown out. So, we, like, his original research journal from the Himalayas was there on display at the museum. We were just thinking, oh, my God, this was really well made, right? And then we were geeking out uh, at the museum about it. But it was it was pretty incredible. So, yeah, Tom Slick, definitely a big deal. That's right? cool. Isn't that crazy? That's so. cool. I'm a Tom Slick nerd, man. I found out recently that some 10,000 pages of his correspondence was made publicly available on this archive. Oh, um, wow. And I've just started clicking through it. But just like, you know, all kinds of interesting stuff having to do with his Bigfoot research. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Sorry, guys. I, I told you I could talk about Tom Slick all night. Uh, <laughs> uh, here we go. A few more great questions from the audience. Our boy Tate. Got a shout out to Tate, of course. <laughs> Alex, when are you and I doing a SoCal and Iowa trip for BTT Beyond the Trail? It's a good question, Tate. I know you, you ask that question a lot. Uh, <laughs> Eli, Eli is kind of the SoCal guy nowadays. So talk to him about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'll take some convincing. Maybe Jeremiah can help with uh, convincing me to get to Iowa again. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like when you think of Bigfoot, Iowa is not exactly the the place that comes to mind. And I know these guys have, uh, you know, worked hard to try to tell me, no, no, there's some stuff going on. Like, I was okay, gonna say until you until you talk to Jeremiah, then it's I know, yeah, Jeremiah <laughs> changed the way you think. Both they've both been, you know, putting that little birdie in my ear. So I'd like to get out there for sure. I mean, I've only driven through Iowa once. Actually, the first time I met Jeremiah, and he took me to the, um, the whatchamacallit, the uh, Van Meter site, you know, the visitor area where this creature was seen. So that was really yeah. cool. We, got, we had barbecue at some place that was like Bigfoot themed in Des Moines, Iowa, which was also really cool. So yeah, we'll get to Iowa eventually. Don't worry. Heck yeah. All 50 states. Let's go. We're doing it. Hawaii too, I, you know. I think we'd be at all 50 states if we were able to. Yeah, the Menahune is so interesting. If we were able to go to all the places that folks have asked on this show over the last two months, if we're going, I think we'd be at about 50 states by now. Oh, yeah, probably. Which is fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Steve Bowen, who just joined the squad. Glad to have you, Steve. Um, Thank you for supporting Small Town Monsters. This this is uh, I love seeing people join the squad during the show makes makes my heart feel good. And then another question from Matt's tube of you. Uh, really excited to hear that you're heading to BC, Canada. Sorry, let me read the whole comment. I don't know why I started in the middle. Um, thank you for supporting the channel, Matt. A little something for the STM coffee and donut fund. Also, don't mean to get off topic, but I'm really excited to hear you're heading to BC, Canada. Any plans on talking to Ken Walker along the way? So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. We actually already went to BC. We went in May, so prior to me going to Alaska. Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to Ken. I thought he was in Alberta, but um, I actually got a question about this today on my YouTube channel about Ken Walker, kind of coincidentally. Uh, he's, he was in the documentary Big Fur. He does taxidermy. I've heard him on a couple of Bigfoot shows. He's done a kind of recreation of what he thinks a Bigfoot is like. Seems like a really interesting guy. I'd love to talk to him. Didn't get a chance while we were up there. But, uh, yeah, those BC episodes will be coming, I believe, later this year. So towards the end of the year in, like, November-ish, kind of November, December, there will be two British Columbia Beyond the Trail episodes specifically and then one more Alaska Beyond the Trail. 
So, um, yeah, but no, I'd love to talk to Ken Walker for sure. Heck yeah. Ideally, we would talk to everybody. <laughs> uh, Brenda asks, Brenda, good to see you again, as always. Um, Alex, what is the best proof of Bigfoot that you have found? And proof, you know, we can use that term subjectively, of course. Yeah. We can, we can, right. you know, because well, I, I, you're, you're a very scientific guy about this stuff. So <laughs> I know I've never found anything that's like 100% convincing to me. I think I have a pretty high criteria generally. I guess I'm or I'm skeptical of claims. I don't know how to really describe it or how best to how best to describe it. But the best alleged evidence I've found just maybe kind of some of the encounters or alleged encounters I've had, but then probably stuff like the handprint at area A. If and that's only a 50% chance. I mean, that absolutely could be a human being for sure. Uh, and I'm not saying that it isn't because that you know, that's 50-50, but that's very convincing to me because of the circumstances that was found in. Nothing else really made sense. None of us were doing that. Uh, with the rain, um, there wasn't a lot of rain then, but rain washes the handprints away. We saw that th this year around, so it was kind of strange that this would have been there sustained. And this is, for, for reference, a weird handprint we found in the back of the cabin at Area A back in June of or not June, sorry, excuse me, back in May of 2022 on our first trip out there. So you can see this in the Alaskan Coastal Sasquatch Part 2. Um, that was really interesting just because there was a lot of other stuff that happened during that trip, the weird wood knock, rock throw kind of incidents that we had a couple nights in a row with Rob Roy Menzies, actually. And then finding that handprint was weird, and it kind of fits in the theory that Beans and I have. Beans kind of thought of it, actually, that he thinks that maybe if these things are in the area, they come down to the cabin a couple days after people have left. So we felt that maybe that handprint was put there between when the property owner Scott was there last, which was about a week before we went out on our trip. We think it might have happened in between then. We don't think it happened while we were at the cabin just because we had cameras, we had stuff, we had trip wires. We would have known if something large was kind of right in our vicinity. So that, yeah, that was pretty interesting. So I will say the handprint, I guess. Um, but there are other things, just some of the witnesses I've talked to just it doesn't make sense to me what that what they saw really is compelling they obviously believe it you know there's a there's a few there's a handful of witnesses i've interviewed over the years out of the many that just to me are sort of like well i mean nothing else really makes sense for what they saw so uh yeah i guess that's the the long answer kind of made short yeah no it makes sense and i we did have a comment i want to respond to because it's it's very true uh uh where is it uh, Luna Maria, uh, the word proof is not subjective. You're absolutely right. It's not. Yeah. If something is proof, it's not subjective. It's empirical evidence. So yes, exactly. you're so absolutely what... right. But when we're yeah. talking about proof of Bigfoot, we're talking about evidence and, you know, because it's an unclassified animal. But thank you for catching that, Luna Maria. No, I, and I, appreciate, yeah. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that kind of wording too. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned with that handprint, that is obviously, I don't consider that proof because there is it absolutely could be human. I mean, and we're, we're, we're currently getting it tested with kind of legend meets science too. It's part of that testing. And if, if there is a viable sample that comes off of it that Beans was able to collect, which he did, and it tells us, well, this is an unknown species, then you know, I, I still wouldn't consider that definitive proof of Bigfoot. I'd just say, okay, that's really interesting. I'm gonna put that in the pile of, uh, that we have here of potential Sasquatch evidence that you know, maybe, Putting it all together may make for a case, but still, I don't think that's going to satisfy 
the most ardent skeptics or kind of the scientific community. I think there needs to be more mm. repeatability. Like if we were really at consistent handprints like that, that would be one thing. But yeah, so I do appreciate that, uh, um, you know, kind of wording and, and clarifying. Because again, I said I'm, I'm pretty harsh about alleged evidence. I think I have less of a tolerance for some of the stuff that others might consider evidence or encounters or that, side of, that sort of thing. I'm kind of difficult to convince, I guess. Yeah. Well, because what, what one person will call evidence, someone else will say, no, that's just a thing that happens. That's not indicative of strange or abnormal activity. So, you know. Right. And if yeah. you can disprove it, like, that's great. I mean, I've had instances, you know, I thought I saw an orb back in the day in the woods, this glowing thing in the middle of the daylight in the woods. And I'd filmed it. I was completely convinced at the time that it was anomalous until I was able to observe that same phenomena in another location and hike right up to it and saw that it was, believe it or not, just leave, just leaves with water and the light reflecting on it to the point where it was creating this crazy intense flashing light phenomena in the daytime. When filming it, I mean, you've got the, it was incredible, but I was able to disprove that and say, that's exactly what I saw. And I was able to prove that, no, that actually is not anything unusual. So mm -hmm. um, if you're able to do that too, I think that's great. So. Yeah, having access to weather records and stuff like that, you know, makes a big difference, I think. Uh, oh, here's a comment from Old Man Gibb. Uh, thank you for supporting the channel once again. Uh, Y'all are great. Thanks a million. By the way, check out the Mount Thomas area in the White River National Forest south of Eagle, Colorado. Something there is not right. I would love to hear more about that, Old Man Gibbs. So um, cool. if you'd like to reach out to us on one of our social accounts which you'll see at the bottom of the screen here i'd love love to find out more about that that would definitely be interesting yeah i've driven through eagle colorado but i've not spent much time there i've started keeping a list of all the folks that you know mention areas of strange activity during these shows and That's at nice. first i was like oh maybe i'll reach out to some of these people it's a very long list at this point um and i've <laughs> yeah, only been running this me. show for eight weeks so i, I, I know I, i've got a whole email separate folder people that send me stuff and I put that in like the Bigfoot folder versus the other weird folder it's it's tough to keep up with it. and then Instagram and Facebook so I get messages on all these different platforms um, and I'm like oh this person sent me this message like a year ago this is relevant to something I'm doing now let's see if they'll respond back right sometimes they do sometimes they don't so it's it can be a bit of a, a tricky situation yeah for sure uh, we I think we have time for a couple more audience questions which we of course love uh, from Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. I'm just wondering if you would also like to investigate UFO sightings since I've read that people think it's connected to Bigfoot. My answer is yes, personally. Yes. <laughs> There's only so much time in the day, but yes. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not crazy about the UFO topic, but I had a crazy UFO experience, which I just call UFO by definition of the word, unidentified flying object in Pennsylvania in 2019. Uh, so I am hoping to do something about that. I don't think it's connected to Bigfoot, that particular incident I had happen. You know, people talk about the Bigfoot connection. I, I don't know. I mean, there's as much evidence of that as there is Bigfoot being interdimensional or anything else. So I, I have yet to see anything that really is convincing other than, you know, anecdotal sightings and that sort of thing. Pennsylvania mm -hmm. is a weird place. Obviously, that's a lot of that kind of stuff goes on there with the work of Stan Gordon, invasion on Chestnut Ridge, that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I would love to just investigate my personal sighting that I had um, in that part of central PA. It was near Dubois, Pennsylvania, and we got footage of it, and it was really weird. So that kind of got me more interested in that topic. So I would mm -hmm. definitely like to investigate 
that area. And I don't know how to imply the same investigating because looking for Bigfoot, you're in the woods. I don't know how to look for UFOs, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's something that will occur as a one-off, you know, and then it's, yeah, like storm chasing. It'll occur <laughs> as a one-off one time in one area. And I, I can go back to Lubbock as many times as I want, but the right. Lubbock lights were in the 50s. So, yeah, you know, I hike, yeah. I hike yeah, it's a different Knott's search. In New Hampshire, where the Betty and Barney Hill abduction allegedly happened, I, I've hiked all the mountains in that area. And, you know, that's an incident that happened like the early 60s so that's really the only thing that happened you know there's not much when you're over there you can see other than mm -hmm. mountains uh maybe last question of the night but i think it's an important question i think it's one we should both probably answer um from oceanus pro pro solarum that's a cool name wow if a bigfoot teleported in front of you looked you dead in the eye what would you do personally? I would probably die. I would, my brain would probably just shut down and go, you know what? That's I, okay. Great. That there's nothing else. That's I'm good now. Uh, what about you, Alex? <laughs> That's I, I was going to say, I'd hope to not have a heart attack. I'd probably be a little caught off guard and hope that I wouldn't just, you know, suddenly, you know, just have an aneurysm seeing this thing. Yeah. Here. I don't know. I, I would probably question it and, and think it's in my head. Am I projecting this here? I wouldn't. I wouldn't think it's legit, even if I did see it. Even if I saw Bigfoot in, in a non-teleportation weird scenario, I would definitely question it because obviously I, I look for Bigfoot, so I'm going to be skeptical of my own self. I'd want to have other people grill me about the sighting mm -hmm. to really see if there's any yeah, wishful thinking, or did I happen to see another animal and really wanting to see Bigfoot because I've never seen one project that. Because I think that can happen for sure. I mean, the human mind is extremely powerful, especially mm -hmm. the power of will. And, you know, uh, when, if you put your mind to something. So I, I definitely would question it for sure, especially if it teleported in front of me. But uh, I guess, you know, I would, I would have to get evaluated after that or, or have talked to somebody like, did this really just happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking my son in his stroller the other day and a medium-sized dog came out from behind a bush. And it didn't charge at us or bark, but I froze. So I, I don't, I'm just assuming my brain would shut down. Not that, not really. We, we walked the other way. It was fine. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Alex, thank you for joining me at the last minute. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, we'll, we'll have to try to get Beans and Rob Roy back, you know, in the future. I'm sure there'll be plenty of appropriate yeah. occasions for that. So um, thank you to everybody for coming out tonight. It is always an honor and a privilege to hang out with you. Thank you for bearing with us through all of our technical hiccups tonight. Um, if you asked a question and we didn't get to it, my sincere apologies, but we appreciate you guys and we will see you next week for our next live stream. Thanks. Guys. Have a, thanks guys. Have a great night, Alex. You've been listening to the small town monsters broadcasting network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.